What's up? This is Ralph Trezvan. You're listening to Reviews and Done with my dude, Derek Dunn. Keep it locked, fam. What up, world? Once again, it's Derek Dunn of Reviews and Done back with another A1 interview. Now, my guest today is an actor. You may have seen this brother on the television series, The Haves and The Have Nots. This cat has shared the screen with R&B songstress like Brandy, Miss Carrie Hilson, Melba Moore, and Trina Braxton. He always brings that extra swag to Christmas movie that I like to see. And next week, he returns to the screen as the diabolical Jarrell in True to the Game 2, Gina's Story. So give it up. Welcome to the line, Mr. Andre Fuller. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. I appreciate that 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 lively introduction. Uh, man, it's all love, man. Like I said, I'm excited to talk to you. You know, been watching you work for a uh, minute. You know, uh, even going back, looking over your filmography, and just uh, after I saw you in the first shoot of the game, I'm like, that cat looks familiar. You know, you're kind of one of those uh, actors whose face you know, but it's like you always can't place a, <laughs> a name. So I'm like, you know, you see that he's um yeah everywhere. So you know, let's uh go ahead and you know let's get right into it. So yeah. you grew up in Houston. You know, a Texas boy. So, you know, I mean, I yep. got to ask, you know, being a Texan, not a native, but you know, my, my entire family's based in Texas. So what was your spot for some Texas barbecue in Houston growing up? Oh, man. You know, I'm from I'm from the hood. So I'm from uh, the north side of Houston. The neighborhood that I'm from is called Acres Homes. So anybody who's from Acres Homes on the north side or Greenspoint in that area, y'all know we eat Burns Barbecue. Burns Barbecue is where, where you go get your A1 barbecue. But for the the masses who may not know where Burns is, is located, you know, uh, there aren't too many bad barbecue spots in Houston, in Texas in general. Texas is, we're known for barbecue. So uh, another one of my, my favorite spots, I don't eat meat anymore. Um, I kind of cut meat out of my diet about three years ago. But before I stopped eating meat, uh, Rudy's Barbecue has the best smoked turkey. Cool, cool. So you're doing your vegan thing now. Spec- not Spec- vegan, not vegan. Uh, pescatarian. So I, I still eat, uh, yeah, wild fish, tuna, salmon, um, things like that. Cool. So I know that before you got into the whole entertainment thing, you were playing uh, football pretty actively. So why'd you realize, yeah. why, excuse me, why'd you decide to pursue an entertainment career instead of trying to go pro with football? You know, I actually did have an opportunity to play pro football. Um, the thing about it was my junior year in college, I tore my ACL. So I came back from that injury and uh, recovered. Um, I was pretty much 100%. I played my senior year, had a pretty good senior year. Uh, the team that I was on, we weren't very good. So we didn't win a lot of games, but I still had an opportunity to play professional football. The thing about it was when I finished college, they still had the NFL European League that was going on, which was kind of like a feeder, <clears throat> a feeder system into the NFL. So those prospects who were kind of on the cusp of being picked up by teams but made you know, be recovering from injury or, you know, not be as well known or whatever the situation, they would send them to, you know, Germany or to London or in some cases Canada or, you know, other countries to kind of develop those players and then bring them back. Well, my thing was I had two semesters left of grad school. So I can either keep chasing this dream that may or may not happen, or I can finish these last two semesters of grad school, get my master's in a professional. So that's that's kind of what I decided to do. I chose the latter, uh, finished my master's at Baylor, 23, taught school for, taught school for like, you know, three, did some stand-up comedy, New York, to kind of figure out what aspect of entertainment I wanted to be in. 
performed stand-up comedy at the Apollo, did some plays, uh, did a little modeling, and uh, eventually I figured out exactly which aspect of entertainment I wanted to be involved in. So I moved to LA and jumped in head first. Cool, cool. Very uh, renaissance So your first leading role that I can call seeing in was <clears throat> Caldrick King on the LA Complex. Now Caldrick was a rapper, as you know, fans of the show know. So me and myself, I'm a hip hop head. And tomorrow, yeah. you know that both Busta Rhymes and Common are dropping new projects. So which right. project is Andre got to stream first, uh, Busta Rhymes or Common? Uh, definitely Bust. Definitely Bust. I think Bust, if I'm not mistaken, he's, he's dropping Extension Level 2. Yes, right? sir. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the first album. I've been a Busta Rhymes fan. Uh, leaders of the New School, you know, uh, you know, Scenario Remix. I'm a hip-hop head, too, so you speak in my language. So uh, I've always been a Busta Rhymes fan. will continue to be, so I'll definitely go. Shout to Common, though. You know, Common, Common is those OGs as well. But Busta Rhymes did. Yeah, you took it back leading the new school. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, definitely hip-hop head. It's just another case of that old ETA. Yeah. Yes, sir. So following the L.A. Complex, you have the role of Fish on the comedy Black Jesus, which was a underrated show that ended too soon, in my opinion. So, you know, man, I got to ask, man, you had the late, great John Witherspoon in the cast. You had the late, great Charlie Murphy in the cast. You had Corey Holcomb in the cast. Just how much fun and how much cutting up was going on on that site, on, on the set, just roasting and just, you know, energy, but, you know, among all these positive black men coming together for a project. Man, listen. I have never worked on a show that was so fun to work on, ever, ever. By far the most liveliest set that we've worked on, uh, Slink and Charlie, Corey. It literally was a group of friends just hanging around, shooting the shit, eating good food, uh, clowning each other, clowning other people. And then periodically they would say, hey guys, we need you on set. We would go and film something and come back to the trailers or sit outside the trailers and just shoot the shit again. That's how, that's how the atmosphere on set was. It didn't feel like work. You know, the, the two seasons that we all worked together and then they went on, uh, I left the show and then they went on to do a third season. Um, but it was by far the most fun I ever had on a set work on a project. You know, the stories, and I say this all the time, the story, just the storytelling aspect of it from um, John Witherspoon and Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy was by far the best storyteller I've ever had the pleasure of listening to story time uh, by, but, you know, tragedy, rest in peace to both of those guys, but that show will forever be ingrained in my memory as. Yeah, it was still a uh, tough time dealing, both of them being gone. You know, Witherspoon, you know, I found out via text uh, early in the morning from one of my uh, good friends who was a huge Wayne's Brothers fan, and then with Charlie Murphy, I was actually on a cruise when Charlie passed. Got up, you know, I'm in the middle of the ocean and we're going to breakfast. My mom, like, you know, she's like, yeah, you know, Charlie Murphy died. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, nah, like, she's like, nah, seriously, yeah. son. She's like, Char yeah. Charlie passed away. Because, you know, I didn't have my phone. Yeah. And I didn't have any access to news. So it was just a shock knowing that um, Charlie passed away. But yeah, rest in peace to both those established great comics who just you know could walk in a room and always for me it, yeah for me it was crazy because because my uh when we were shooting black jesus my mom would ask me is charlie okay and i'd be like yeah what what do you mean like wait oh he just but you sure he okay i was like yeah he's fine because you know charlie used to be you know really muscular yes sir and, you know uh well when we shoot the show he, he had slimmed up or whatever and you can see it like in his face but uh i told so my mom was like, you know, he's older now. He's not, he's not young Charlie Murphy from CB4. So yeah, the muscle mass, you know, kind of goes down when you're, when you're older. And none of us do like a, a great job of just powering through whatever he was going through. You know, 
But the thing about it was maybe like no more than a week before he passed away, I was talking to Corey Holcomb on the phone and Corey was like, to Charlie? I was like, nah, I haven't talked to him in a couple months. He's like, man, to holler at Charlie because I'm doing good. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, no, but Charlie got cancer and it's not looking like he's gonna make it. So I, I did have a chance to call him and talk to him briefly, you know, and Charlie's such a, he was such a trooper, such a soldier that, you know, even, you know, though he was, he was going through that, that situation, he didn't want anybody to feel sorry for him. He didn't want to talk about it. You know, uh, you know, he kept switching the conversation like, Dre, so what you working on? What you doing? How you been? Don't worry about me. I'm good. How you? So he was, he was that kind of person. Rest in peace to OG. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, you're playing the diabolical Darrell and true to the game and the upcoming sequel. So prior to getting the role Darrell, had you read any of Terry Woods books and were you aware of her, you know, work? Uh, I had not read the book. The thing about it, man, um, we as artists, we go through this creative process. Uh, it's always tricky um, when you're playing characters or bringing a story to life that's based off books. You know, I just had an interview before this one. One thing that I mentioned was, you know, yeah, people were kind of disappointed or upset or however you want to say it from the first movie because a lot of the elements of the the book series the first book we didn't bring to the table but they don't understand like the first book took place in in the 80s well yeah we didn't we didn't we didn't make it a period piece and go back through it like it was in the 80s but you know there's a lot of things that go into that and the tricky thing about it is i've never read i've never read well i've never seen a movie that's based off a book and the movie was just as good as the book series. It's almost impossible because when you write a book, there's 250, 300 plus pages in a book. Well, you have to condense that into 90 minutes to tell your story on film. So a lot of the elements, you know, kind of indirectly get left off. But, you know, um, I think that we brought a lot to the table um, to establish the series in the first movie. And the second movie is bigger, better, faster pace, um, more, like, as, as you keep say, as you can say, uh, diabolical uh, in the cast, the storyline that we're, in the story that we're telling in general. So I think the fans will really appreciate the, the, the leap that we took from the first film to the second film. Yeah, I respect that. You know, I think with the first one for me, as, I mean, I read the books, I'm 39 now, so yeah. years ago, and actually knowing filmmakers, actually knowing screenwriters, actually knowing people that are in the industry, I know how tough it is to get everything right. And I think that, you know, John Q. Public, we really don't understand just how much stuff goes into making a film, especially when you're an adaptation, because a lot of times stuff in a book, it's not necessarily transition well on screen, which is, you know, no fault to the creators. It's just not going to work properly on screen. So thank you yeah. for that. So what type of research did you do to become, a, um, to become a, an antagonist? <laughs> you know, I ran to the opportunity to play Jarrell uh, I had never really played the bad guy. I had never really played the bad guy. I actually, uh, I shot deuces right before we shot true to the game. So I was kind of, I was kind of the antagonist in a different aspect, um, in deuces, but I was a, I was a cop. I was a detective. So this was the first opportunity that I got to play the villain, the sinister, uh, carrots because normally I get booked to play the love interest or the, the ex-boyfriend to get her back or husband which is great love playing that 
it was uh i kind of based jarrell off of a few people that i've encountered in my lifetime a few people that i knew um back home in houston a few people that i'm related to um like that but i there was one el element of jarrell that i was that i was adamant about because i didn't want him to be a cliche i didn't want my character to be a cliche like we've all seen the characters you know and this is no this, this is no slight to anybody but we've all seen the, the characters who play it you know super intense you know with their words and their action and when they shoot their gun they hold it to the side you know like, like back in the society you know uh days and we've seen that so i wanted to bring something fresh and something new to the table so my thing was i wanted to play jarrell calm you know because to me the guy who is loud in the room is the most insecure person I'm a, that's the guy who can't fight you know but the guy who looks you in the eyes and says all right well we'll just have to see about that it's something about that calmness you're like wait wait, okay what are you gonna do just tell me what you're gonna do i don't so in the first film every time you see jarrell on film no matter what was going on he kept it cool he was calm even when he was putting out a hit for somebody you know he never got his feathers ruffled so i wanted to bring that same element in the second film but the tricky thing well not the tricky thing the uh the exciting thing about Jarrell, and I won't give away the plot, but Jarrell, um, for the good majority of the second film, he got an opportunity to transform himself into an entirely different character. So you get to see Jarrell as sort of an actor playing another character, incognito. So I thought that was dope. Well, cool. Well, I want to thank you for uh, swinging by, taking time out of your schedule to chop it up with reviews and done. Folks, you can catch True to the Game 2, Gina's Story, next Friday on all streaming platforms. And Mr. Fuller, where can fans find you on social media? And is there anything you want to add? Yeah, you can find me on all social media platforms. My handle is Mr. Dre Fuller, M-R-D-R-E-F-U-L-L-E-R. -L -L -E I appreciate all you guys' support. Um, make sure you check out True to the Game. Um, like we just said, we're in theaters uh, November 6th. And uh, I know things are kind of touch and go with the movie theaters and whatever. Just put your mask on, keep your distance, go check it out. Be in, you know, I think we're in 400 or so theaters across the country. Um, but yeah, true to the game too. We're ready. All right, folks, there you have it. Until the next time, done, out. Hey, it's your man Royale Watkins, writer, comedian, director, husband, father, friend. You are checking out Reviews and Done, right? Be sure to check out this episode and be sure to check out some of the other amazing episodes. Shout out to my man, Derek Dunn, for having me on the show. And we'll look forward to you guys checking us out soon.